Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now and then we talk about them. I am the festive fiancé. And I'm Drew. It's good to be back. Yeah, we're back. (laughs) And we would not miss the holidays. Obviously. There's that song that says, I'll be home for Quizmas. Quizmas. <laughs> we are back for Christmas. Yeah, we are. Um, We've been ill, but we're alive and we're back. Yes. And we have a wonderful festive season ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start today with our somewhat traditional old fashioned Christmas movie. Yeah, we try to watch a classic in bunny quotes uh christmas movie every year yeah last year we did white christmas and the year we before the that show. we did meet me in st louis yes which really isn't a christmas film remembered for being a christmas film is not very set at christmas no but i think has spawned one of the most famous christmas songs other than this movie other than this movie <laughs> Yeah, and then we tried to see something a little bit more modern or newer. Mm-hmm. So we did Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square in its debut year in 2020. Last year we did The Grinch. Yep. I think two years ago we did Elf as well, didn't we? The musical, yeah. Elf the musical. Mm-hmm. And this year we're going to be looking at Jingle Jangle, mm-hmm. which a few people had said to us that they would like to hear us cover when it came out in 2020. Yeah. And then we tend to do Christmas Carol. <laughs> Always. But yes, it's the the holidays, and we're we're happy to be back. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, this one again has spawned one of the most iconic Christmas songs of all time. So much so that it actually spawned an entire movie and musical mm-hmm. with White Christmas. We're going to be talking about Holiday Inn. Yes. So yeah, obviously last year we watched White Christmas. We probably should have done this one first. Yeah, but we had the the most brilliant opportunity to see the stage show of White Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it made sense to. And you always say that with some of these older musicals, you would rather introduce me to them via like updated mediums. Yeah, so I tried really hard to find the corbin blue version of this the broadway revival stage version of this because it has fixed a lot of the issues with this film and made it not only more palatable but also better just generally plot wise storyline wise and i think the same thing is true of white christmas when we watched that last year it's more well obviously it's the stage show Mm -hmm. and it has more songs and you know that's understandable it's also streamlined the plot a bit more so that we don't have to sit around while unnecessary scenes happen yeah though i have watched white christmas the film since Mm -hmm. because it was on at your parents yeah so and i I didn't feel it was as bad i i thought it was like on par yeah it's pretty much the same there's just a lot of talking where they've changed it to songs in the musical and you know however the reason why White Christmas is so streamlined is because it is a very loose remake of Holiday Inn. Okay, because I know that Holiday Inn, we talked about it last year, mm-hmm. is the debut of I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Yeah. And obviously, 
Irvin Berlin mm-hmm. loved that song so much, it spawned a whole new musical. Yeah. I don't know much about Holiday Inn as a premise. I assume, you know, people go to a snowy area for a holiday, you know, and like miss, like similar to White Christmas in the fact that these performers go to a inn and they perform there and it's their old army base. I I feel like this is going to be people go to an inn and spend their time at Christmas and it's just like the mishaps over the Christmas season. Sure. You know, maybe we have people who who aren't in love, but by the end are in love, you know? Mm -hmm. I just think it's going to be like nice Christmas fare. I don't think it's going to rewrite the rule book. I just think it'll be, you know, it's not one of those Christmas films that it's like Santa and magic. It's romance set at christmas time yeah that's pretty much what i'm expecting from this one Mm -hmm. i I don't have high expectations going into this one you know older films don't always do it for me Mm -hmm. and i think it'll be nice but certainly i think i mean we really struggle to find this one that's the that's that's what i find really interesting which so <laughs> which is understandable because there's been a lot of editing of this movie over the years. Oh really? When it is shown on TV, like we watched White Christmas, I think that was on like ITV or Film 4 or yeah. whatever, you know, it has adverts. This when it's shown on TV has whole scenes cut out of it for obvious reasons that you will see when we watch it, but well I mean, that's presuming we get a version of it that has those scenes in. And it does. Okay. That's the thing. So the version that we are going to be watching is the full original cut of this movie, which includes an incredibly racist scene. And that is why it's been so hard to find, is because, first of all, it doesn't get shown on any TV channels very often, and when it does, it's cut down to cut out a all of the scenes that show the racist elements of this and the racism in it is there's a whole blackface number. Oh, no. Yeah. So starting in sort of the 80s. Yeah. Because obviously this movie came out in 1942. During the war. Yes. Hmm. So it wasn't until the 80s that it started being cut. But beginning in the 80s, some broadcasts of the film entirely omitted this one musical number that's called Abraham, which is basically, it's a blackface minstrel show, which incorporates a lot of racist imagery, a lot of racist behaviour. And because a lot of movie channels don't want that basically playing like you don't want to flip over to itv or film four when your five-year-old is watching it and have that be the scene that it starts on you know but and that's i mean this is this is the issue isn't it because with streaming obviously we've seen it with like um disney that they'll have the little disclaimer at the start that says these views don't align with what we believe now Mm -hmm. but actually like you say the issue is very much if a casual viewer misses that and just happens to turn over to a channel and sees this... Well, exactly. There's a difference between streaming n- services where you choose the film that you're watching and it can have that disclaimer yeah. and 
broadcast television where they are airing it and you can turn over to that channel at any point. Yeah. So lots of places, lots of channels cut it down. And obviously a lot of these channels are advertiser supported. Yes. So then the advertisers, especially if they follow that sequence... Yeah, you don't want to go to commercial after that and ha- then have adverts for, like, big brands. You don't yeah. want to be associated with that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, because then you're worrying that, like, your money's gone and paid to be in this. Do mm-hmm. you endorse those messages? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that, that makes sense then, because we really struggled. We are renting it on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. but we really struggled. Like, nowhere streams this, and I couldn't. we couldn't find the DVD or you know the the digital or media anywhere yeah well and so when they made the stage adaptation there are actions in place to remove the yeah. way that those scenes play out because the actual narrative of the scene is we don't want this one particular character to be recognized so they do blackface because that's the way to get around it instead of just singing in the raining it have somebody else go out and be the face of it. And, you know, but especially because the whole song that they're singing is about Abraham Lincoln. Oh, that makes it even worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't actually know a whole lot about Abraham Lincoln. However, I am aware (sighs) that... Abraham Lincoln, what I know predominantly is Abraham Lincoln is commonly credited as being the president that ended slavery. Now we Which don't obviously isn't true. But we 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 don't do much American history in the UK. You know, like the extent of my American history is the early 1900s during the Great Depression and FDR's New Deal. Like, I've seen newsies. But like that's the <laughs> that's extent of my history knowledge. I have never studied like the American Civil War. I've never studied um the battle for independence with the British, you know, so I trust that Lin-Manuel Miranda nailed that with Hamilton. Which is, again, not true. No, I know. Um, but from what I know over here in England is Abraham Lincoln, despite possibly being a problematic figure, is responsible ultimately for abolishing slavery. So if you're going to do something that's a tribute to him and you are using that well and that's the point they're trying to make is like he saved us all and it's it's but that in it's in extremely poor taste yeah that just makes it even worse like it's completely tone deaf Mm -hmm. i think you've 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 kind of done the opposite that you usually do with this where you hype me up to watch these films i'm not i'm not trying to underwhelm you with this but like i think it's important that our listeners and you know what you are going into because we are going to have to talk about this scene because I think this scene on its own ruins the rest of the movie. And if it's cut, then it's a better movie. But do you think if it's you... cut, it's a better movie in the way that obviously the stage musical removed this sequence. But if it's cut, you're getting a disingenuous version of this film. Mm. That's only being shown because TV channels want to be able to still advertise. And I think in the same way as, like you were saying about Disney films, having that disclaimer is important. You can't cover up that people did this. Yeah. The point that it should be making is that it's wrong and it's not. And and 
there is a lot of things like that that don't have disclaimers and there's a lot of old shows like not even old shows shows from like the mid 2000s mm-hmm. that not you know well little britain you can't find it anymore because they did blackface same with uh come fly with me right and yet those and people are still allowed to be mid, everywhere yeah mid 2000s they're still allowed to get endorsement deals but even things like... But I of, think the fact that you can't find it anywhere... Like, no one should be able to watch that stuff. Yeah. But the fact that you can't find details about it... Yeah. Is, is disingenuous to history because we should be talking about how it's a bad thing. But in the same way, do you still air Little Britain on the streaming services with a disclaimer before every episode that features the certain topics, you know, the transphobic, the homophobic, the, the racist... Uh, commentary the ableist commentary do Mm. you have that as a disclaimer before everything or do you just purge it and say this doesn't exist it's disingenuous to delete it yeah no i don't think anyone should be able to watch these things but if you're going to because you know the kind of people that are going to want to watch it and think it's funny but not the kind of this is the issue is one of the things that I will watch every year to kind of gear me up for Christmas is the Gavin and Stacey Christmas specials. Now, to the, Unfortunately, I watched with you this now, year. To the credit of the second one, the newer one, the second year after, based on the backlash from doing The Fairy Tale of New York, they changed and they redubbed. So they didn't have the homophobic line. Mm-hmm. However, in the very first one from, you know, 10 or so years ago, I don't know how long ago, they do have one of the characters use a homophobic slur. And there's nothing to disclaim it before it happens. In the same way, I was re-watching Extras because it's been a while since I've watched that show. And again, the amount of uncomfortable, homophobic undertones in it there should be it's not even undertones no there should be a disclaimer attached to everything like that and if people choose to watch it we're not going to delete it from our past but actually it made me feel incredibly uncomfortable i stopped watching i was like yeah no i'm not going to continue watching this because i don't feel should you put people in that position beforehand to make an educated choice and yeah I think content warnings are important. And that's the whole point that I'm trying to make here. This I, is your content warning. Yeah. This is what is in this film. And I'm going to be honest now. I don't recommend this movie. I'm yeah. not... I am not. I mean, if it's being shown on TV with adverts, <laughs> you're going to get the cut version and you might enjoy it. But, but then you also... Generally, I don't endorse this movie. I don't recommend it to anyone. Go watch White Christmas. But the worst... <laughs> like, <laughs> The worst thing about it that you've just kind of implied to me as well is the fact that this scene actually matters. Like, it's imperative to the plot. You've said they're trying to disguise a character. Mm -hmm. So, actually, by cutting it, you are having an impact with the film as a whole, which then is an issue that you would have to watch this racist sequence... To get the full experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the first time ever you've actually left me feeling like should we call an audible right now and watch something else? If I hadn't already paid <laughs> to um, 
rent Holiday Inn, you might mm-hmm. be saying that that's what something a little little better. I mean, do you think I would enjoy this one outside of that sequence? I honestly could not tell you. Do you think, I mean, you've just said watch White Christmas. Do you think White Christmas builds on the success of this and does a better job? Yes. So truthfully, is the better Irvin Berlin Christmas film? Well, this is the thing. When they made White Christmas, this is 10 years later. Yeah. 54. And the original one's come out in like 42, Two, I, I think, think I said. said yeah. And they wanted to get Fred Astaire back because this movie is Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. And for White Christmas, they got Bing Crosby back. And they wanted Fred Astaire again. He read the script, was like, this is just a remake of Holiday I've made this film. I've done this film. I don't really want to do another one, which is hilarious because we're going to talk about his character in Holiday Inn and I'm going to compare it to the character that he would have been playing in White Christmas. I'd assume Bing Crosby plays Bing Crosby in both films. So Fred Astaire, you're telling me, is his kind of sleazy friend that likes the women. Yeah, basically. But he's a much worse person in Holiday Inn. Okay. But, so he said he didn't want to do it. They then offered the role to Donald O'Connor. Yeah. From Singing Singing in the Rain. And he got injured before filming began. So then they replaced him with Danny Kaye. And obviously they used the song White Christmas a lot in the film. It really, obviously White Christmas, very different. The premise here is that the inn only opens on holidays. Okay. Right, compared to the White Christmas one where it's open all the time. It's a hotel in Vermont, I think is where they are. Mm. And it's a skiing resort and whatever. But... Other than that, <laughs> it's very loosely adapted. It's like they took everything that was bad about Holiday Inn and were like, here's how we fix this. But they did that with a few songs from this film as well. Like Easter Parade yeah. is a musical. Yes. And it's a song in this. So, okay. you know, it, it's, it's all all over the place. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's what I have here. I mean... I think it's time we checked in mm-hmm. to the Holiday Inn. Yep. I mean, will we be going on to TripAdvisor for this one with with a list of complaints? Oh, so the the actual hotel chain is named after this. Oh film. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I figured as much. Like when I googled Holiday Inn, I was like, oh yeah, of course, that is an actual place. Mm-hmm. You know, will it be a positive trip, or will we be left with some bed bugs that we really are? Uh, have to scratch that itch, you know. Mm-hmm. So we will be back very shortly after the intermission. Yes, indeed. And we are back. Yeah, we are. Did you have a good time? <laughs> Three Christmases later. Um... Yeah, so this is another... I know this is a Christmas film. This is where the song White Christmas comes from, but it's not set entirely at Christmas. Well, so this is the interesting thing. I did a little bit of research in between watching it and sitting down to record. It was actually released in August of 1942. 
Mm-hmm. And White Christmas wasn't even seen as the song that they wanted to be successful. They were hoping the um, Valentine's Day song, Be Careful, It's My Heart, would be like the, the big, big song. Mm-hmm. But White Christmas instead like topped the charts and stayed at the top of them for like 11 weeks. Um, and obviously went on to win an Academy Award for Best Song. Yeah. I... I think there are some very good performances in this one. Yeah. But really, I just think the plot... Like, aside from the pre-discussed blackface... Mm-hmm. I think the plot is horribly misogynistic. Yeah. And I find it really difficult to like either character, Mm -hmm. like of our key characters. Fred Astaire comes across incredibly unlikably in this one, which not him as a performer, his character comes across incredibly unlikable. Yeah. And Bing Crosby, I do feel sorry for him at moments... But, like, his reaction to certain things, I'm just like, you kind of reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. I I do enjoy the premise of this one. So it, you, you can very much see how this was then adapted into White Christmas in the fact that you have performers. One of whom, Bing Crosby's character, which is uh, Jim Hardy, bored of the, you know, dancing, performing lifestyle. Mm-hmm. wants to farm. I don't think he's bored of it. I think he just thinks that he works too much. Yeah. Like, he doesn't... Because I think he says about, like, I get no holidays. Mm-hmm. You know, this lifestyle just isn't for me. So he wants to become a farmer. He thinks, I'll be lazy, you know, and I'll have more days off. And instead he works himself to death. Yeah, works himself into a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. And you've got Fred Astaire, who plays... Ted, who keeps that lifestyle and goes from success to success. Mm-hmm. I don't ever feel I can I can imagine that like the popular representation of these two characters is like best friends. Yeah. Because they are really the closest thing either character has to a friend. But they're not friends. Mm-hmm. You know, with them both always bickering over the same girls and you know What's more like Fred Astaire likes to shop out of other people's baskets. Yes. Is the, like, essential plot of this. And then sees himself as the the wronged when it doesn't work out his way. Yeah. Because we start off with Jim Hardy, we know he's, he's leaving, and he's uh, marrying Lila Dixon. Mm-hmm. And they're going to both go off and be, be in a farm together. And then immediately as he leaves, Ted comes in and starts kissing Lila. It's like, did you tell him yet? So right from the get-go, both of these two characters are incredibly unlikable. That I'm like, oh, okay, you know, you, you've made it very clear to me that I'm to dislike them because they are cheating on their friend and their partner. And the design of the character of Lila is that she's really vain. All she wants is fame and applause and... Money. Yeah. And throughout the film, we get that she will basically guy-hop to go where the fame will be. So she leaves Jim. For Ted. Yeah. 
And then she leaves Ted for some random Texan Texan millionaire. And then she comes back when she thinks that Ted's going to get her to Hollywood. Yeah, she comes back as well because a Texan million doesn't have millions. He owes millions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these characters are incredibly unlikable initially. And I do feel bad for Jim because, you know, he kind of finds success. So he opens up his farm. By Thanksgiving, he's having a mental breakdown. I do like the the sequence of Lazy. Yeah. You know, this nice montage that shows every holiday and him doing the hard farm labour. I think that's quite clever. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a good juxtaposition between, like, the sentiment of you're being lazy versus, like, the reality of you're not. You're working yourself to death. And that spawns our idea for Holiday Inn that I'm only going to work on holidays the rest of the year i will have off yeah and the whole point of holiday inn is that it's going to be this hot joint that people can come to they will watch a performance that's appropriate for the holiday in question which if this was done in 2022 there would be a heck of a lot more holidays for them to to do he might have you know less days off like more days working than days off yeah but yeah his his aim is very much, I, I, I want a lifestyle or a career that will help me live the lifestyle I want. Which as a message and as a theme is still incredibly appropriate today, I think. You know, mm-hmm. as people talk about four-day working weeks and the success of how well they've they've panned out. Yeah. I feel bad for... Marjorie Reynolds, who plays Linda Mason. Like, specifically, I feel bad for Linda. And I think this is where, like, I have real issues with the plot. Is because... She exists for these two men to fight over. Mm -hmm. And it feels like they're constantly trying to one-up one another. And that's where I feel it becomes, like, that misogynistic. Because at no point do any of them treat her with any autonomy. Yeah. They make the decisions for her and then they seriously gaslight her when things don't go the way they wanted Mm -hmm. so obviously this is where we have the blackface incident she starts off as jim's only comrade i guess in his pursuit the Mm -hmm. only person who works for him and on their like debut show on New Year's Eve, she starts dancing with an incredibly drunk Ted. And everyone's like, oh, it's his new partner. Lila's gone, but it doesn't matter. He's got this new partner now. And there we go. There is our plot. They're going to find this girl, which he can't remember her. Yeah. And uh, his his agent, Danny, is like, I only saw her from behind. So even there, you've got the awful like objectification of her and sexualization of her. Like it's like, oh no, when I see her from behind, always stresses that. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know... When she could be anyone as well. Right? Instead of Jim doing the rational thing of having a conversation, being like, oh, hey, they want to do this, but I would really hate to lose you because we wouldn't have a plot otherwise. He decides to hide all this from her and schemes against her, which is not the best basis for their romance anyway. This guy who's constantly been gaslighting you and lying to you and then decides to dress you up in blackface five minutes before the show and you have no awareness of it. Mm -hmm. You know, her response is, oh, but I thought I looked really pretty. 
Oh, yeah, she says, oh, I was dreaming about how pretty I was going to look tonight. And then he literally uses boot polish. And just even, like, the hair design and the costume design for that sequence. Because she is a gorgeous woman. Like, and the way, just everything about it is so racist and horrible. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you're right that that scene does do, like, an absolute, like, dampener mm-hmm. of this whole show. Because, well, so like I said, it actually is important to the plot, which is the worst. Yeah. Because there are so many ways that he could have disguised her or... The singing in the rain thing. Or he could have just said to her, hey... Just don't dance. You're going to stand on this podium and sing. Because they're not looking. She didn't sing in that first sequence. She didn't sequence. sing in the sequence where she met Fred Astaire. He doesn't know what her singing voice sounds like. He oh, he was too drunk. So he only knows her by her dance style. Yeah. So if she just stands there and sings, she'll be fine. And the other guy doesn't know what she looks like. So really, they would have been fine as long as Fred Astaire didn't dance with her. Yeah. And this is the thing is... I. I really don't like that kind of love triangle trope because like in this, I think it feels incredibly forced and negative because no one's actually talking to her as a person. Like both men just assume that of course she's going to ditch me for him because, you know, he's handsome or, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they don't, they don't judge her on her merits or her values. Like Bing Crosby doesn't even give her an opportunity. He decides, oh, she'd leave me based on... Don't get me wrong, his past trauma. Yeah. But then that's a him problem. Mm-hmm. This is this is very much a, a male gaze film. But I don't understand. And I was going to say, maybe it's a historical thing. Maybe people didn't talk about this in relationships. And hey, maybe they didn't. I don't know. But I don't understand how you get into a relationship with a new person after having been cheated on by your ex and your best friend and not tell the new person that i think there's like you don't want a trauma dump on them but you would genuinely like if i was in a relationship with someone i'd want to know that they'd been engaged before yeah or that they had a kid Mm -hmm. or you know and that's the thing is i think this is very much it's a result of toxic masculinity of the age men were men feelings were hidden dumb very dumb as a premise see this is the thing I don't like the execution of this but as a premise I do really like it mm-hmm. I really love you know the idea of you know we're going to have this holiday in it's open for holidays and each song is going to be themed and each dance number is going to be themed for the night and I love whereas with Rent I kind of criticised it that we went through a year incredibly quickly mm-hmm. and here we go from like we go through three Christmases. I actually don't mind it so much here. I like the going from one thing to the next to the next. The holiday choices are very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so our full list of holidays, we start with Christmas Eve and then we go to uh, the montage of everything. And then we come back to the next Christmas Eve. Then we show Christmas Day. Then we have the grand opening on New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Then we go to Abraham Lincoln's birthday, which is a very interesting holiday to include. Yeah. And, and again, this is very much, it's it's American, and I'm sure it's a huge deal, huge day. 
Which that's the 12th of February. Yes. So then we have two days later, Valentine's Day, which again, really good one. Which is a very tight turnaround for a whole new act. Yeah. Costumes, musical number, which I'm assuming they rehearse in advance. Yeah. But then that also means he's working constantly because you're rehearsing your... I don't don't know. Maybe it's different because there's less performance pressure. We then go to Washington's birthday, which I think is early... No, that's late February, wasn't it? So February is a very busy turnaround month because then we go from February, we cut March completely. So St. Patrick's Day doesn't happen, which I thought would have been a great opportunity for like this nice Irish jig number. But then again, probably would have also come across quite racist. Yep. Yeah. George Washington's birthday is the 22nd of February. So February has a huge like turnover, Mm -hmm. you know, very difficult. Easter. Good, good idea. You know, nice holiday there. Mm hmm. And then we go all the way to from Easter to July with Independence Day. Yeah, so and this segment was edited during filming. Yes, I saw that. So Pearl Harbor happened while they were filming this. Yeah. And they expanded the Fred Astaire firecracker dance scene and then added to it with this like extension patriotic number to be like the US military are so strong we're amazing which like okay fine but it does put more emphasis on that scene than really needed to be there because we're in the montage part of this movie yeah and that's the thing is the song of freedom Mm -hmm. it did it was noticeably different where we had like the montage of America on this projector. It was like tonally, this is so different than everything else we've had. Like, well, it just feels like proper, right? It feels like a propaganda mm-hmm. sequence, you know, that they're like, join the US military. Yeah. Like, it, it, and it, it did feel very different and jarring from the rest of the film that either it was a very late change, which it is. They literally just chucked it in there while they were filming. Yeah, but it's a good response, I guess. You know, like you're in the middle of filming this, you're like, we have the perfect opportunity to respond to this and be one of the first films to respond to this. Yeah, I suppose that's probably what happened. The thing is, though, I think if you had... I mean, I've seen the stage show, right? So the firecracker dance scene in the stage show is amazing it's obviously a lot safer yeah. than this one because obviously it's the 40s. Nobody really cares about health and safety at this point. Mm. They're still using asbestos snow. Yeah. And maybe I was like, even before you told me they used asbestos, I said, that's definitely asbestos. Yeah. So, you know, health and safety isn't like a huge deal. So it's firecrackers. He's literally throwing firecrackers on the ground. He's got them in his pocket and they're just blowing up while i was gonna say off (laughs) they're literally just blowing up while he's dancing and it's spectacular it's such a good sequence such a good sequence and it's kind of dampened by the rest of it because it sort of takes away attention i think if you just had his dance on its own because the whole point in that scene is that he's pulled that out of nowhere because they're like hey you need to go and make time right now yeah because we have this whole thing which we'll talk about in a second but Mm. I really love that as a sequence because, you know, Fred Astaire's dancing is, is quite classical in all of this. Well, he's a legend. Oh, and he's he's an absolutely phenomenal dancer, which is why it was so interesting to be, like, rooting against him. But he's a him. terrible character, yeah. yeah. 
But but so this is what I mean with I don't understand why when he read White Christmas he wouldn't want to come back because the character that he would be playing in White Christmas is still kind of a womanizer but actually ends up with a woman who perfectly contrasts him yeah and shows some personal growth makes him a better person yeah. and he makes her a better person you know they're good for each other and i don't know why you wouldn't want to evolve your character in that way i don't know maybe he liked playing a villain for once i haven't really seen i haven't seen a lot of fred astaire's work but i haven't ever seen him play a villain in no. anything other than this and it is i just it's interesting because he is so unlikable in this like and it, it does have that issue of who do you want to root for of the two characters. But this sequence is phenomenal and, like, is an absolute show stealer. You know, having the firecrackers, great. It, it, and you know that they're real because the stage is destroyed by the end of it. Like, yeah. And I think the context of it being that, you know, Hollywood are here to watch this performance. Mm-hmm. And you have both Jim and Ted conspiring against each other. So Jim has made sure that Linda's out of commission and called in Lila. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, he's in this position where they're struggling for time and he has to go out and improvise. And it's one of those things is like, it's like Andrew Lloyd Webber. I hate how talented they are. Mm-hmm. But oh my God, they are talented. Yeah. You know, and it's it, that's what you have with Ted as a character. So you look and go, right, you can see why he's in the position he's in. You can see why Hollywood would want him. And you mm-hmm. can see why Linda would want to be his new dance partner. Because this is phenomenal. This guy is going to make you look really good. And that's yeah. the thing. It's the whole Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers thing. Like, everybody... Uh, what's the quote? It's like everybody thinks thought Fred Astaire was the best dancer ever, but Ginger Rogers did everything he did backwards and in high heels. Yeah. And, like, she's obviously better than he was. But this actual dance number, it did three days of rehearsals, it took two days to film it, yeah. and they did 38 takes Blimey. before Fred Astaire was like, yeah, that one was good. And the entire crew had to wear goggles for safety yeah. because the firecrackers kept blowing into their faces and then they added animations afterwards to make the blasts look bigger. Because really when you throw... It's like those little poppers that people yeah. have. I'm sure they're not called that. Like, it doesn't make a blast, you know? You throw it on the floor, it makes a bang. That's kind of it. But his shoes that he wore were auctioned off for a significant amount of money. I can imagine. But then again, so we go from the 4th of July... Mm-hmm. To Thanksgiving. Yeah. And obviously at this point, a lot happens behind the scenes. We go to Franksgiving because... Yes, I did see this. Because I wondered why I was watching. Why got, the turkey keeps running around. Yeah, you have these really cute little animations where you show the calendar and yeah. you pinpoint the day. And we had this little turkey. And the turkey was going between two days and shrugging us. So I was like, why? Yeah, I, I it, did, was, it was I, a government thing. They decided that they were going to change when Thanksgiving was... To extend the Christmas shopping period? Yeah, so this would have been, I guess, so FDR's in charge at this point. Mm-hmm. And this is them trying to get out of their recession. Mm-hmm. And he, he said Thanksgiving was going to be a week earlier than before. And it led to an actual law being passed that says it's always the fourth Thursday in November. Yeah. It's very interesting. 
Um, but I, I, again, no context to that. You're watching this going, huh. Which, you know, I've learned a little bit of history from it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you learn something out of it. It just, you know, the plot is, is incredibly basic. That you've got two men both want the same girl. And the worst of it is, Ted doesn't even seem to love her for her as a person. Whereas I would say Jim does like her as as Linda. There's exactly. A... The way that they meet, they're like little meet cute thing where they're both lying to each other. And then they he fought, literally falls and they both, for her. They but... both know that they're not telling the truth. Yeah. And it's cute. You know, it's like a funny little, yeah. oh, we're both, you know, this kind of person. But when we have Ted actually profess his love for Linda, Linda. I keep getting Lila and Linda. I wish they wouldn't do this with names. Two, two L names. Stresses me is, out. Uh, two L names both end in eight. It's very confusing. When he actually does say to Linda that he loves her, it's all to convince her to come with him. It's got nothing to do with how he actually feels. But I'm not convinced he has any real emotions. She sees through it. She yeah. absolutely says, you don't know the first thing about me. He's like, I don't need to. I loved you when we danced, blah, blah, blah. And that's, you know, terribly romantic and everything. But come on. But that's the thing that I really dislike about him as a character. And like this whole thing is like he just genuinely... And I guess he is the villain in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is. You know, that he he wants the shiny new toy. He's already taken it. He wants the shiny new toy. He's jealous of his friend and he's got to always have something better. But this is why Jim's actions always upset me. Because... They do seem to have quite a good connection. You know, when they first sing White Christmas, it is a really sweet number. And, you know, when she shows up to Holiday Inn and he literally falls off the roof and onto her, it's cute. And you see them just there. And, you know, even when he proposes to her, mm-hmm. you know, admittedly proposing whilst you are putting boot polish on their faces is not one to tell the grandkids. But, yeah, you know, she's like, well, of course. And... You know, she does want to honour, like, when when Ted says, like, I want you to be my new dance partner, she says, well, yeah, okay, but I'm pledged for a year, and also you know I'm going to marry him. Mm-hmm. So she she is committed, and I really respect her for that. You know, like, a character who knows what their commitments are, she doesn't want to get out of it, she's like, yeah, okay, we'll do that, but we're going to finish my commitments here first. Well, this is the thing, I feel like she comes across as such a sensible character that First of all, I don't understand why she doesn't say no with the whole blackface thing. Because, I mean, I know why she doesn't say no, because they wanted to put that in this film. Yeah. But character-wise, like in the world of the story, you would be like, why are we suddenly changing this? Yeah. Absolutely not. We've been rehearsing. And then when we have this scene where she's saying like, oh, yeah, I've got these this job already. If... Jim had told her about all of this, she probably would still take the job with Ted because she'd be like, yeah, that's fine. I've got this job with you for a year. I'm going to marry you, but I can also go and dance with this guy. It's a job. I will still come back on every holiday. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the thing that really bugs me is the lack of voice that she has. And obviously all culminates on the 4th of July where she realises that she's been played off and, you know, driven into the lake and... Mm -hmm he's desperately tried to make sure she's not there to sabotage it. And and she is naturally angry. It's like, you sabotage my opportunity for Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I love you, but you do not mess with my career. Yeah. You don't tell me how I'm supposed to feel. 
Yeah, and she's so she says she's going to go to Hollywood with Ted, and then it turns out that they get engaged. The producers aren't interested. Yeah, really oh, yeah, in them. They're what actually... they're interested is Jim because he writes a song for every single holiday and a new one for every holiday as well. Yeah. He's not reusing any of these songs, so they want him to write all the songs for the film because they want to create a film about this the inn and the story. Inn. Yeah, and so because Linda has said that she will leave and she's going to go with Ted, they then get picked up by the studio and it's like, oh, we'll use these two as the leads. That'll be great. But we want to remake, like recreate the Holiday Inn. And he's like, well, I'm not leaving. I'm staying here, obviously. But he closes everything down completely. He doesn't open it anymore because he's working for Hollywood. And yeah, you then cut to Thanksgiving. You see that Linda and Ted are engaged, which I, I don't agree with. I don't think it's something she would have done. I think she more feels like he hasn't lied to her about anything. But I... And so she... I can understand the, I, like, catching feelings for him, yeah. but she doesn't even seem like she likes him particularly. That's the thing, is it just feels like a very weird choice. And we do get... It feels like a PR stunt. Yeah, it does. It's like singing in the else. rain, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We get plenty to be thankful for as a song, and I'm thinking, does he hurt, though? You know, he's he's miserable, and... He gets his advice Which from... this song then gets turned into the song that's in White Christmas. Yeah. Which is, you know, my count my blessings instead of sheep one. Plenty yeah. to be thankful for. He gets his advice from, is it Mommy? Mammy. Yeah. Yeah. His servant. Yes. And her kids are cute as. Her kids are so cute. But... Again, the treatment of these black characters is abysmal in this film. I know, and especially when you then have the Abraham sequence, and you're just and them singing along to it, and and Mommy telling the children the, the story of why Abraham's important whilst this is going on. Yeah, it's so exploitative, mm-hmm. and it's just not fun, you know, and it's not good representation at all. No, it's just, it's straight up, it's just racist. Yeah. But we we go... She tells him he needs to fight for his woman, and he's like, you're right, I'll go to Hollywood. So he rocks up on Christmas Eve. Yeah, like a month later. Well, yeah. Where is he meant to be? He's in, um, he's just, he's in Connecticut. Yeah. So it takes him a month to get to California. There's no way that's true, like... When is this is set in the forties? In the forties, so he'd, he'd probably be on the train or something. Yeah, you know, easily get there in a, in a week. I don't know if you're American. <laughs> tell us how long would it take you, <laughs> yeah. Elena or Jared? Please, yeah, help us. If you us were getting the train from, I don't even know if you can get yeah, the train that far. You, well, they would have trains cross country. You know, we're not. You'd probably have to change places. Yeah, but do I don't know have, anything about the American. Do railway? they have the airport infrastructure at this point? You know, you get to New York and you fly from New York to, like, LA. I'm sure I'm going to sound really stupid asking this. Was commercial flying a thing at this point? I feel like we, it wasn't. I know that we have aircrafts for the war. Obviously, Pearl Harbor has happened at this point. So the technology is there. Yeah, but commercial flights? I yeah. don't know. Anyway, I'll, I'm sure I'll look this up afterwards. Yeah. Or someone will correct me, which is always really nice. Tell me things. Anyway, he rocks up on Christmas Eve. He goes and sees Ted 
who's prepping for his wedding the next day. But in such a sleazy way. Like, yeah. he's talking about it to Danny, who is, I guess, his producer. Yeah, it's like agent, agent or whatever. And Danny's like, you have to marry this girl. You were supposed to marry Lila. That didn't work out. You're going to marry Linda now. And then you're, this girl is stuck with you and she has to work with you. That's like the only reason why he's getting married. Oh, yeah. But- and so when Jim arrives, the two of them are like, oh, no, this is the only person who could stop Linda from marrying him. Quick, lock him in the cupboard, except the cupboard's double-sided. Yeah. And then so he locks them in their room, mm-hmm. which is funny. Like, it's nice to see them kind of get one-upped. Yeah, then he runs onto set. Which, the set is amazing. And I love how meta it is here because it is literally just the set they've it's been It's the filming. set they've just panned out slightly. I yeah. just think that's very clever mm-hmm. and very resourceful that he's like, this is perfect down to the last detail. And we do the bit where he moves the Christmas tree forward because it's like, it's Because it's in the wrong place, yeah. And yeah, and he leaves his, his um, pipe there as well for Linda to get nostalgic over. Not on purpose. He doesn't leave it there on purpose. Oh, I thought he did. No, he leaves his pipe on the piano. Yeah. And when he sings White Christmas at the beginning of the film and teaches it to her, he does a thing where he uses his pipe to tap on the bells on the Christmas tree, which is why, you know, the Christmas tree is so close to the piano. And then while she's singing it and they're filming in the film, (laughs) she does it because it's it's automatic. That's what you do in that song. And then he joins in and she starts getting really upset, obviously. (laughs) It's my favourite thing as well is because, like, you've got... They're filming, so our star and his agent can't get in. Like, they're told by security, like, nope, sorry. Oh, yeah, the light's on. Light's on, I can't let you in. And they're filming this, and suddenly this random person just starts singing along to your star, and she goes oh it's you and they kiss and the director's just like cut 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 who's this guy and then we don't even see anything else from their perspective we just see ted and danny being like he works fast Mm -hmm. you know and then we just cut forward and they're all happy and you know they're all working together again it just feels like ted's back with lila and it they're, you know they're happy families now they're they're all working together and completely forgot all of this mm-hmm. like linda is very quick to forgive him and just be like yeah okay but i feel like the whole her getting married to him is so contrived yeah like it doesn't feel like in keeping with her character but then it also it needs to happen for him to want to leave i don't know it's a very difficult one to enjoy when you don't really like the characters. You know? Mm-hmm. And that that's the thing is... I've, I've said who I would want to perform as, but I don't re- really like them as characters at all. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I have an MVP for this one. Let's talk about the songs before we talk about all of that. Because I do really like the gimmick of, like, you know, a song for each season. Yeah. You know, Lazy's great as a, you know, little montage song. Mm-hmm. I really like, obviously you have White Christmas, you have Happy Holiday. I love the whole bit of Be Careful, It's My Heart. He's like, I wrote this song for you. And as he's performing it, she just goes and dances with Ted. 
Yeah. It's heartbreaking. I'm like, oh, this poor guy. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the other, from that point onwards, I, I would say the songs are kind of forgettable. Yeah. Well, and so the reason why the song White Christmas did so well is because it was popularized among American servicemen in World War II. And they would order copies of it to wherever they would stationed to play on like a gramophone or a record player or whatever you call it at the time. For some nice escapism. (laughs) Because in the same way that it's used in White Christmas, it sounds like homesickness. It is a lonely homey nostalgic song that makes you feel like you're at home around the fire for christmas and that's the point so it did really really well because people connected to that one song yeah has nothing to do with the film no and that's the thing is i feel like maybe the rest of the songs are kind of meh simply because it it does kind of reflect Mm -hmm. uh jim's depression and like lack of desire yeah for this but I do think it peaks really with White Christmas. Mm-hmm. I do like Happy Holiday, and I, I like the sequence. I can't tell a lie, mostly because of the comedy where you know they're doing a nice and 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 Jim is sabotaging them, so they do slow and they do their slow dance, and then it becomes all upbeat and they're trying to improvise and it looks really bad and he scuffs their debut. Mm-hmm. I think that's funny, but I wouldn't listen to that song. Yeah. I think this is one where certainly watching a modern production of this would do a lot better. Definitely. You know, the problems aside from the Abraham sequence, you're right that White Christmas is essentially the film that they make at the end. Like, that's the film that they're making with Holiday Inn, and it does everything better. The characters are more likeable because they're not selfish. Yeah. Here, they are thinking solely of themselves. Mm-hmm. With White Christmas... The whole plot revolves around them trying to do something nice for their old... Army mentor. Yeah, I don't know what... It's like their commanding General officer. Commanding yeah. officer, yeah. And this is it. They're two men with power. Mm-hmm. And what's really nice is, you know, Bing Crosby starts off incredibly selfish in white christmas he's thinking about their performance like we're going to go to florida and we're going to you know have this show ready for us yeah and instead grows as a person falls in love with someone and really does make the world better for somebody who is struggling Mm -hmm. and that as a message is something so good like that is a really great christmas message of think of others this time of year yeah the characters here are so selfish that it's hard to root for either of them to be happy. Mm-hmm. I'd be quite happy if Linda just left both of them and ended up having <laughs> a successful, yeah. successful solo career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ted and Jim could just live at the Holiday Inn together and... Wallow in their own sadness. Yeah, wallow in mediocrity. Mm-hmm. I think it's very much a relic of that era of like filmmaking and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So White Christmas 100% does it better. I don't know if this is one I'd ever want to watch again. Like this isn't going to become yearly festive 
filmmaking. Yep. I do want to see the stage show. I certainly want to see the Corbin Blue mm-hmm. version. I mean, don't get me wrong. He might be as unlikable a character simply for what he did to Troy Bolton. But <laughs> who does he play in this? Is he playing Jim or Ted? He plays Ted. And so you have Bryce Pinkham as Jim Hardy. Yeah. Who is a performer that I really like. He's You'll know him from the cast album of A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Yeah. Which I love and needs to be brought to the UK because I feel like it would do so much better here than it did in America. Because yeah. we love a plotline about murdering our relatives to get our inheritance. Because why not? Wait, we love that. have something rotten come to the UK. That too. I, I've heard rumours. Of, of things but yeah. yeah that should come here but yeah so you have bryce pinkham as jim hardy and then corbin blue is ted hanover which makes sense because corbin blue is a ridiculous dancer like which is ironic so good. because famously he doesn't dance yep but yeah so their casting was actually pretty good and yeah. also i think ted is a more likable character from what I remember of the stage show. I think it's more ju- just that he comes across less sleazy and more charming. Yeah. And maybe that's just Cobb and Blue, but I don't maybe. know. Maybe. So, overall, what would you say is your best song mm-hmm. in this one? White Christmas. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's like the only good song. It is White Christmas, and there's a reason why it stood the test of time. Like, I really wanted to be like, oh, hey, I liked this song more. Yeah. But... It's absolutely White Christmas for me. And I, I mean, my skip song is Abraham mm-hmm. for very obvious reasons. I don't ever want to see that sequence again. Yeah. But. So. What about you? I mean, outside of that sequence, do you have like a clear skip song that you would absolutely not listen to again? It's like 80% of this playlist. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Because, hol- you know, Happy Holidays, I could listen to. I feel like that could be good for Christmas time. You know, But it's also in White Christmas. But Yeah. And know. it better used. Yeah. I think, so this is the thing, is I was on my Spotify looking for the White Christmas playlist, but because we were watching this, I typed in Holiday Inn. Yeah. And I was trying to find the song Sisters, <laughs> because I love that song. It's so good. And... I was scrolling through the soundtrack on Holiday Inn. First of all, looking for that. Then I realised I was looking at entirely the wrong soundtrack. And I was scrolling through all the songs thinking, I don't know any of these. The only songs I know are Easter Parade, because I've seen Easter Parade, and White Christmas. Because you've seen White Christmas. Or even because you haven't seen White Christmas. Because everyone knows the song White Christmas. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um... Who's your MVP of this one? I don't think I have one. I guess Fred Astaire, because I hate him in this film. I, and like, I think I'm going to have to agree that Fred Astaire... Because j- just that dance sequence as well is so spectacular with the firecrackers. Mm-hmm. Like, it is very, very cool. And he does come across incredibly unlikable, which I wasn't expecting. Bing Crosby, don't get me wrong, is very talented, is a lovely singer in this one. But I cannot, in good consciousness, give him an MVP when there is a chunk of this performance that he's in blackface. Yeah. I I can't, in Mm -hmm. good conscience. So for me, you know, uh, 
Fred Astaire is my MVP. That dance sequence, at a point where I was getting really done with this film, mm-hmm. perked me up a little bit. You know, I, I enjoyed that a lot. I mean, you've got you've got two choices of who you'd like to play. I mean, who would you play, Lila or Linda? I wouldn't want to be in this. I'd I'd be in White Christmas. <laughs> I'd rather be in White Christmas. Yeah. I would like to try and play Jim as a more tragic character. Mm-hmm. You know, like and like you say, like Corbin Blue plays him far more charmingly. Yeah. I, I would have the written into my contract that Abraham was not a part of the show. Which it isn't in the stage show. Yeah. And I would make sure, like, all of that aside, he, you know, the character is certainly someone to get your teeth into. But I I would not want to be in this film as any character. For me, and, I, you know, I'd have to look at the stage show. I don't I don't like either of them enough to want to play either of them. Mm-hmm. But I'd like the challenge maybe of Jim and trying to maybe make him more likable than Bing Crosby does. So before we go over to our ratings, we'll start with Twitter. I found this one really interesting because we're here in the holidays. 48% of people have not seen this one. 13% of people say no, I can't tell a lie, I don't like it. 9% of people saying it's okay, and 30% saying yes, it's a happy holiday. Like, I can see why a lot of people wouldn't have watched this one. It doesn't scream necessary classic for this time of year. Yeah. We heard from Tony at Theatre Flashback 1, who is one of those people who hasn't seen it, says, can't believe I've never seen it, I'm going to have to change that immediately. Tony, you're not. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think you need to... Uh... Yeah, I do not recommend. <laughs> well, go watch White Christmas again. He does say, but I do have a rare film soundtrack on CD, the classic White Christmas, which is, you know, very cool. Mm-hmm. Watch White Christmas instead. Oh. Over on Instagram, 55% of people saying I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. 15% of people saying no, don't like it. 18% of people saying it's okay. And 20% saying yes, happy holidays. A one that really has split people on Instagram. Not many people being a fond of it, including friend of the podcast, Elena, who told us via her vintage Broadway 18 Instagram account that she hasn't seen it. Which, if you remember from uh, last year when we talked about White Christmas, is especially bad because she's related to Bing Crosby. I wouldn't watch this, Elena. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry, I'm going to recorrect myself as well because it's Vintage Broadway 19. I was one number off. Sorry, Elena. I do apologise. Mm-hmm. But she did She did give the, the brilliant one sentence of this, just simply saying, I haven't seen it and I think Uncle Bing would be disappointed in me. Mm, you'll be disappointed in him. Yeah, so let's not watch this one either, Elena. Which is really rare for me to say, don't watch something. I feel like, Outside of the pirate movie, I'm always like willing to give things a try. I also spoke with your mum about this one because mm-hmm. I think your mum might be the only other person on this planet who likes a good Christmas film as much as me. And your mum said, yeah, I do like it. It's more nostalgic for me than anything as it was always on when I was little, but I prefer Meet Me in St. Louis, which I guess is a good point. If you grew up watching this film... You probably would have the nostalgia attached to it, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and also, the only place she would have seen it 
it's on TV. Yeah. So she won't have seen the full version of this. Exactly. So, you know, but it, it doesn't uh, touch Miracle on 34th Street, Mimi and St. Louis, your mum's favourite, which is? Oh, It's Wonderful Life. Yeah. Which, thank God there isn't a musical of that. Oh, I wish there was. I'm I, glad there's not. Again, one of those weird ones that, like, is seen as a Christmas film, but really, the Christmas focus is so minimal. Mm-hmm. What's your star rating for this one? One. I I gave it two stars. Because I did laugh at some moments, and I did enjoy some of the performances, some of the songs. I do think the white Christmas sequence is is great. You know, mm-hmm. it's just nice, classic, cosy. The firecracker sequence, brilliant, you know. But it's a two-star for me, which, you know, puts it on par with, with Dumbo, somewhat appropriately, as as least favourite from this year. Yeah. But I think we'll have a much better time next week, where we watch something a bit more modern with Jingle Jangle. Yeah. Then we're going on to one that I know we're going to love. Mm-hmm. We've watched it many times. We're going to have Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. Which is great. I'm so excited. I love that film. And then another, we're going to close the year with a film that we have already seen, but doesn't launch on Netflix until Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. We saw this last week. We are going to be Revolting Children, and we're going to cover the brand new Matilda film. Mm-hmm. We do also have three exciting bonus episodes on the horizon. We're going to be going to the new Victoria Theatre in Woking mm-hmm. tomorrow to watch their Pantomime Cinderella. So we're going to launch a nice bonus episode to celebrate 50,000 downloads. Thank you to everyone that we've reached this amazing milestone before the end of 2022. Yep. And then I'm so excited for this one. We're going to be talking about the brand new immersive London production of Newsies. Yeah. I can't wait to see Newsies. Like, I'm interested to see what immersive means. Yeah. Because I've done zero research about this on Same. purpose. But from the early responses of people who have seen Newsies, it's remarkably positive. Hmm. So I'm very excited. That was one of, that was our third ever podcast, you know, and it really... I think that was one of the, the first ones as well. I was like, along with My Fair Lady, it's like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. No, you know, watching something I had no idea about. And then, of course, we're going to uh, end the year with another bonus episode where we do our year in review. Yep. And you can head over to our Twitter and Instagram pages to see the full list of shows we talked about this year. We're not asking you to say what your favourite episode of our podcast is. Like, as nice as it is for that feedback, that's brilliant. We want to know your favourite musical that we've covered this year is and why. Um, you can listen to our year in review for 2021 if you want to know the format. We're both going to have a top 10. We're going to talk about them and we'll share your views as well. Some people sent us lovely emails. Some people sent us audio notes that we included. So if you want to hear your voice on the podcast and show off to your friends, please do. Spotify raps come out as well and we saw that we were number one with quite a few people. So share that as well. Let us know if we were your number one listen to podcast of the year. Yeah, that would be cool. As always, you can get involved in the conversation on any of these topics on Twitter and Instagram at It's a Musical Pod, or you can email us on It's a Musical Pod at gmail.com. And of course, be sure that you like and subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcast providers so that you don't miss when these 
exciting new episodes go live. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app, under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like the show, it's that special time of year. Why not give us that festive feeling and give us a festive five-star review and share us with a friend? But until next week, we, we will see you same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday.